This year, we've been thinking about this idea of um, going forward. And part of the idea of this came from our state motto, which is, of course, forward. And uh, I don't know, maybe you know this, but I wasn't aware until recently of the history of how that came to be our state motto. So in, oh gosh, 1848, uh, Wisconsin became the 30th state to enter the Union. And we elected our first governor, Nelson Dewey. And among other things, Dewey had to come up with a state seal, a, 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 a sign, and then a, a motto that could be embossed on legal documents. And the story, I understand it, is that he went to the chancellor of the University of Wisconsin, John Lathrop, and he asked him to design something. And Lathrop made a, a very European, old world style seal. And on it, he included the motto from the Wisconsin a territory before we were a state. And the territory in Latin, sorry, the territory's motto in Latin was civilitas successit barbaruin. I'm probably saying that wrong. And, and in English, it means civilization succeeds barbarism. Pretty catchy, I think you could imagine. So uh, Dewey went to New York to get this new design and motto cast in metal. And while he was there, he ran into a lawyer from Milwaukee um, who uh, later would become the Supreme Court Chief Justice of Wisconsin, Edward Ryan. And both of them immediately strongly disliked the seal that Lathrop had made, sort of the pretentiousness of it and the Latin of it. And so the story is they sat down together on the steps of a Washington, uh, a Wall, sorry, Wall Street bank and designed something themselves. They drew their own seal, and they started kicking around ideas of what they might use as a motto. And first they talked about Excelsior, which was the New York motto, and then they kind of got this idea of, of this movement. So they talked about onward and upward and finally picking forward. And, and I really love that motto and that story for a couple of reasons. One, I, I love how it captures who we wanted to be as a state, right? We wanted to be a place that was moving forward, not stuck in the old world or the old language or the old ways, um, but, but advancing and doing new things, which I think is pretty cool. I also am so grateful that we picked forward as our motto because designing a sermon series around civilization succeeds barbarism is just beyond my ability. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about this whole year, about this idea of, of moving forward, of, of being um, caught up in the movement of God. And it strikes me that today as we celebrate our seniors, they are at a, a really interesting moment in that journey, right? In that journey of, of God's grace in their life. And, and it's it's almost as though they stand at a, at a point making a choice, right? Will they move forward into the new thing that God has for them or not? So I, I want to share just a little video that I think captures that image, not just for them, but I think in some way for every one of us who are followers of Christ. God, we're standing on this mountaintop. It has been a long climb. Behind us are the things we thought were so important. Twelve years of first days of school. Summer vacations. School dances and homecomings. Lunchroom food and locker rooms. Recesses and study halls. Grade after grade of report cards and parent-teacher conferences. Teachers and tutors and coaches. Science fairs and assemblies. 
those 12 years behind us down there at the bottom of this mountain. Now, Lord, we have climbed to the top. And we wait in the dark to see what happens next. There on the horizon, we know the moment. The light pierces the darkness. The glow, the rays of light and warmth. Radiating, illuminating, that is our future. We have climbed this high to see it. All those things we learned are the threads we have used to build these wings. We are not stepping off into an abyss, God. This is flight, this is soaring. We have come this far to launch. To ascend. To aspire. Now we hope in you, Lord. Don't let us grow tired. Renew our strength through you, and we'll soar on wings like eagles. We are prepared to fly into our future. I love that image of being on the mountain ready to fly. And, and I, I feel as though not only our graduates, um, but all of us have been climbing mountains in our lives. And, and this year particularly has been one that we've been climbing as a church and as a nation and as a world. Um, and and it, it does feel like we're, we're getting to that point where we have to choose um, if we're going to take that step of faith. And uh, I recognize, like our graduates, we stand on the mountains of our lives with a choice. And the choice is that we can soar, we can risk it all, we can jump off, or we can turn around and, and walk back down, right? Back the way we came. Uh, and, and this, I think, in so many ways is exactly where Israel finds itself today in our Old Testament passage on the shore of the Red Sea. It's where the church finds itself on the day of Pentecost in an upper room waiting to see what God might do next, um, caught between looking back and looking forward, between um, returning from whence they came and taking a step of faith out to something new. And I recognize in those moments, in those mountaintop decision situations, uh, it's really important to be able to look back. Right? It's really important for us to remember our history, to know where we came from and what shaped us to this point. Uh, and, and that includes the painful stuff. That includes the sins that we've committed and the sins that others have committed against us. The trials and the tragedies that we've journeyed through are part of who, who we are. Um, and who God has made us to be. It also means looking back and seeing the joy and the celebration and all uh, the relationships and people that we've been blessed with, all the ways that God has been uniquely present at those special moments of our lives, all that we've accomplished together and on our own, and, and of which we are rightly proud. Right? All of that stuff shapes us. That history is so important. And if we don't look back and know that, we don't know who we are. We don't know how we got here. We don't know who God is. We don't know how He has brought us here. But at some point, we stand on that mountain uh, and we stand on the shore of the Red Sea and we have to recognize uh, that the past is fixed, right? The, the, the past is that stuff that has helped us 
understand what might come next, but, but looking forward is the future, the only thing that we can change, right? The only thing that we can affect, the only thing that we can alter is what is before us. And it's looking forward where we can take on new challenges and change who we are and change the world around us and come to know God's love and grace and compassion more fully. Back is where we've been. Forward is where we are going. But here's the thing. Back can be really comforting, right? I mean, back feels really good. Um, maybe you know some folks who had the best years of their life in high school and then um, spent the next 20 years looking back and remembering those highlights instead of looking forward to what God might do next. Back feels familiar and familiar feels safe and we don't know what God has next for us. So isn't it better just to stay with that stuff that we know? Uh, by the way, we have an expression about this, don't we? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. But I think sometimes, and, and I think the Israelites and the church are at one of these moments in their history. The, the, the question isn't, uh, is the devil you know better than the devil you don't? The question is, is the devil you know better than the God you don't? And I think that's exactly what the question for Israel is at this moment. Uh, Israel, uh, I hope you remember, remember at this point, uh, doesn't know God very well. They haven't received the Torah yet. They haven't received the Ten Commandments yet. There's no synagogues. There's no temple. They don't go to worship every Saturday or every Sunday. They don't know God very well. And at this moment, as they stand on the shore of the Red Sea and they look back and they see this massive army of Egypt coming after them, their first thought is, boy, what are we doing here? I wish we could go back. And remember what that entails, because they remember going back to a place where they're not free, going back to a place where they're enslaved to Pharaoh, going back to a place where that same Pharaoh was murdering their children. But in this moment, it seems to them that the uncertainty before them is so terrifying that even that little bit, that little scrap of familiarity of their lives as slaves seems more secure than what God has before them. Ever been at a moment like that where you said, ah, oh, God, I, I know what's behind me is all jacked up, but I am so scared of what you have in front of me that I just want to stay where I am. This is a, a, a moment I think is, uh, is true for us, that, that um, we do this in, in, in big and little ways in our lives. I'd love to give up on this broken relationship, God, um, but who would I be without this person? I love to change this sinful behavior in my life, but what if the price of changing that behavior is higher than I want to pay? Uh, God, I, I'd love to leave this job that's crushing my soul and go do something new, but what if I can't find something new? What if I can't pay the rent? What if I have to come crawling back to this place that I want to leave? I love the idea of having a, a stronger relationship with God, but what if it requires me to change my priorities and my schedule and my life in ways that I'm not ready to change? Back seems safe. Right? The devil we know, for the Israelites, that devil is Pharaoh. For the devil we know is easier, safer, better than the God we don't. 
And so God understands what it means to stand on a mountain and choose. Uh, and he says and so beautifully to, to Moses and to the Israelites, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward, to make the courageous choice, to trust in me and move forward from slavery to freedom. And, and I think every Christian faces moments like this in their life where we have to decide whether we're willing to risk the familiar for the extraordinary that God has for us. We spent all year thinking about this, about what it means to move forward with God in all kinds of different ways. It's been really fun for me, and, and I just want to go back because I think some of those ways might be something God's telling you today. Maybe it's the way that God's calling you to, to jump off that mountain. So back in September, um, we, we talked about moving forward from our past to our future, and we read the book of Ruth, which I love, and we talked about how Ruth was uh, an example, an opposite of Naomi, right? Naomi wanted to go back to, to her family and her past and where she used to be, but Ruth was ready to move forward into whatever new adventures God had for her. And because of her courage, not only did she secure a future for herself and for her family, but for all the world, because from Ruth comes the line of David and Jesus. Maybe there's a place in your life today where you've got to let go of something in your past so you can move forward into the future God has for you. We spent a little time after that talking about moving forward from being carefree to committed. Uh, and we talked about um, God's call to make covenants, how God is a God of, of sacred agreements with us. And not uh, agreements that restrict Him, but that actually free Him to love us in extraordinary ways, and how we're called to be a people who make those sacred agreements, right, um, with each other and with our churches and with our communities and to the mission of God. Maybe there's a place in your life today where God's saying, I know you're on this mountain looking back and thinking that, that freedom is doing what you want when you want it, but I tell you today, freedom is, is found in a covenant with me and a commitment with me and with my people. Then in Advent, we talked about moving forward from me to we, and we read the book of Ephesians, which I just love. It's this awesome book about um, who we're supposed to be as the church. And we zeroed in on this huge idea that there is no story in Scripture where we are ever called to be one-on-one -on -one with God. God calls us together with each other and with Him. It's not me plus Jesus, it's we plus Jesus. And, and maybe there's a place in your life today where God's saying, now, yeah, I, I know it's great that you know me, but I call you to be known by my people as well. Maybe there's a place in your life where God's saying, hey, I want to invite you in to this adventure together uh, so that you can move forward from just me to we. Uh, and then in this uh, winter, uh, in January, we talked about moving forward from um, brokenness to wholeness, and we studied the Beatitudes, the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And we, we talked about how we as the people of God can be equipped to move forward from those broken parts of our lives into the wholeness that God has intended for us. We talked about Celebrate Recovery, which is a ministry that we are actively working on in our church and looking forward to talking about and launching with you in a few months uh, and we said, you know, maybe there's a place in your life where that brokenness is so profound and God's inviting you to move forward from that into the life of wholeness that He has desired for you. Then during Lent, uh, 
we talked about moving forward from being comfortable to being awakened. And we talked about all the crazy stuff that Jesus says, right? Not all. He, he says too much crazy stuff. We couldn't talk about it all in Lent. But we talked about a lot of the crazy stuff Jesus says that makes us really uncomfortable, right? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. Uh, and, and we wrestled with those uncomfortable sayings and recognized that part of what Jesus wanted to do was to wake us up from our complacency and our ordinary lives and realize that the kingdom of God He had designed for us uh, is right there for the taking. And then this last season between Easter and Pentecost, we talked about moving forward from believers to disciples and disciples to apostles. Uh, we talked about the idea of that incredible relationship between uh, rabbi and disciple, basically like Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi. That's the Karate Kid sermon series, right? Uh, and then we talked about uh, Matthew 10 and this, this calling that we all have. Every one of us is sent by Jesus Christ into the world as our graduates were sent by us today to be ambassadors for His kingdom. I don't know which of those places God calls you into today, but I, I know two really critical things that you have to hear if you're going to be successful in moving forward with God in any of that. And the first one is that God calls us to move before we have any of the answers. You notice this in the story in the Red Sea, the Israelites see the army of Pharaoh behind them, and God says to Moses, tell the Israelites to go forward, and then I will um, part the Red Sea. I'll do all those amazing things, right? But, but first, they start moving up. And, and here's the point. You cannot, on your own, turn the sea into dry ground, but you can edge up really close to it. And God calls us to start taking those steps of courage forward even before we have all the answers, even before the path is made clear for us, even before the miraculous begins. This is why on the day of Pentecost, the disciples are gathered together in prayer and in worship, right? Because they are already committed to moving forward before they have the answers. And then the second critical thing is that you can't do this on your own, um, but God will show up we get the beautiful image of the wind of God that blows back the Red Sea and turns it to dry ground, and the wind of God that blows into this room where the disciples are located, and all of a sudden, tongues of fire descend on their heads, and they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't do this on your own, but God promises to show up. If you are in motion with Him, um, He will give you the power beyond yourselves to to push into that good future. Uh, I grew up in a Navy town and spent a lot of time around the Navy and um, uh, had a lot of folks in my church growing up that were um, service warfare officers or often pilots as well. Um, one of the things that always fascinated me was about how aircraft carriers launch their fighters. I don't know if you know anything about this or not, um, but it's, it's really kind of amazing. Uh, and, and just really quickly, I, I want to show you a video that explains a little bit of how this works. It's going to be important for us. Plane. Well, they use a steam cannon that actually fires the plane off the end of the aircraft carrier, and that really is sort of taking the idea into its final and most modern form. 
It gives us the capability to accelerate aircraft weighing 55,000 pounds from zero to 165 knots over a 300-foot distance in less than two and a half seconds. The principles explored by Tisibius save military lives every day. This is the front of the catapult. It's called the battery position. This is where the aircraft gets secured to the shuttle, which is attached to the rest of the catapult. Within the launching engine are its power cylinders that run the full length of the catapult. Within the cylinders are pistons that are linked to the shuttle, which connects to the aircraft. When you're ready to fire the catapult, it's a programmed opening of the launch valve, which admits steam into the cylinders, pushes the pistons forward. When it gets to the end of the power stroke, the aircraft is permitted to continue flying. Okay, really simple idea. If you didn't know, um, fighters don't fly off a flight deck. They get launched, right? They get fired. They get catapulted. This is what makes our faith different from all the self-help, do-it-yourself, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, uh, or even, you know, be good and work hard so God will love you philosophies. We don't believe we do it on our own. We don't believe that our ability to move forward into God's future, to step off that mountain is our own strength, right? It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us, catapulting us into the future. If we will just get ready, uh, God will show up and He will take um, the Holy Spirit and mitigate our worst and magnify our best into better than we could ever imagine. And so uh, I want to invite you today, wherever you are, whatever's happening in your life, whatever mountaintop you find yourself on, I want to invite you to just ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and to fill you up and to do what you cannot do on your own, to equip you by His power to be launched into the good future of God. It is not going to be easy. And it is not going to be perfect. And you're not going to know all the answers or the whole plan. There's going to be some really scary stuff that comes. But what God is going to do through you is beyond what you can imagine. And I know this um, because that's what God did on Pentecost when he birthed the church from 120 people to 2 billion people today. It's what he did on the shore of the Red Sea where he took a bunch of frightened ex-slaves and made them into a new nation. That's what he calls us to do today to not consider that we've done this on our own or made this our own, but to forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead, to press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, um, we stand before you today at the, uh, at the end of a long year, um, at the end of years of hard work, at the end of uh, this part of our story, Lord, and we know you call us into what's next. And so, uh, God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would equip us today to be ready. We pray, Lord, that you would allow us to start inching forward on our own. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and point us into your future and give us the strength to catapult in it today because we want to move forward with you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus the Christ we pray and all God's people said, Amen.